0: Broadcasting location. This is a test. For the next sixty seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. America, here comes the relief from the pain, unapologetically. This is Lock and Load with Bill Brady. Afternoon. This is Lock and Mode. This portion of the show is brought to you by Aero Precision. at AeroPrecisionUSA.com. Well, um, as with all uh, all of the gun grabbers that are out there, they, they're always pontificating. And anti-gun activist and uh, perennial soy boy, in my estimation, David Hogg is no different He's used his status as, he calls himself a survivor. He actually wasn't, he wasn't in the building. So, I mean, uh, he attended the school when that happened at Parkland. But he's always trying to leverage that into some kind of authority on gun control. And because it's for gun control, I mean if you, you know realize this, if you were for gun control and if you'd ever had any sort of a status in any way, shape or form that you could parlay into becoming the next anti-gun superstar, well this would be the way to do it because you'll get a lot of television appearances. but that's not enough. So lately he's been spending some time on Twitter and he's trying to position himself as a shooter. A lot of tweets about going to the range and shooting trap or whatever. And the reason he's doing this is obvious. He wants people to think he's not really anti-gun, just anti-violence, which if that's the case, then why wouldn't you be for armed self-defense if you're anti-violence? But that's, that's a silly question, I know. This past Thursday, though, he went, uh, he went all the way. By posting a series of tweets where he shows how much of an authority he actually is. And he starts out, and I don't have the whole tweet. If you need more than 10 rounds to hit something, you need more range time, or you need glasses, not a larger magazine. Hell, if you're that bad of a shot, you're safer with a baseball bat because the gun will probably be turned on you. Nothing new. That's new, not new reasoning, but he doubles down from there. I know many who follow me haven't shotguns or semi-automatic rifles before. Even with zero training, I could shoot a pretty tight group at 20 yards. Just look, you don't need 30 round mags. If you can't stop whatever you need to with 10, 7.62 uh, rounds, you've got bigger problems. And then he shows a picture of the target. Now that's only a tight group. In La La Land, that's on, in, in he's shooting a rifle at twenty yards, and you can't really see the picture, but he's probably got I don't know, uh, maybe a four inch group at on the maybe five. I don't know if you measure it from it, but he definitely nothing is centered. Everything is uh, his. He's got three shots in the red ring, and then everything else is in the outer rings, going to the right, then up, then up. So he was either firing this too fast, which means he doesn't know what he's doing, or he's firing this uh, not at all, not knowing what he was doing, or uh, there, there's a lot of things it could mean. However, I'll tell you what it does mean. Like when uh, when you're when you're zeroing a an optics uh, installed pistol, for example, at 25 yards, that's not a zero his group is not a zero. As a matter of fact, it's, it, it would be just, you know, Fisher would walk up and down the range during that. And he'd be looking at that saying, you need to tighten that up. You got to tighten that up. You got to tighten with a handgun. Not actually what I would consider to be precision shooting. Now, if you're not into semi-autos and you don't know what you're doing. Okay. I could see it. If, uh, if you, you've never shot a gun before, not bad. Um, uh, Solid effort, but for someone who's been bragging about his shooting prowess, that's nothing to write home about. That's uh, in, in a later tweet he seems to brag that it wasn't from a tripod, which I would hope not. And he presents this as if it somehow proves that you don't need more than ten rounds. So let's address this. In in the case of uh, semi-automatic rifles, right? If you, if you think of yourself in a military persuasion, well, I think the, 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 um, the standard adopted now, if you're in a gunfight and you're carrying a long gun, is uh, three rounds per target. That being humans. So with a 30-round magazine, you can engage 10 targets before you have to reload. And that's standard capacity getting out there and uh, limiting magazine capacity to whatever arbitrary number they want to do it to. Uh, well, you see you, you see the problem. there. Then you have to reload more often, and then you have to carry more magazines. And here's the other thing. He's shooting at a static target and in a controlled environment with a target that just sits there and waits for you. It'll give you all day to shoot at it, and it's not shooting back at you, and real gunfights and are nothing like that. If you're pulling out a rifle to engage a threat, that probably means that threat is trying to kill you, and that means they're going to be trying to shoot back at you, which is going to raise the stress level significantly on you, and that's going to trigger the fight or flight response, which floods your body with adrenaline. And as a result, at the best, your hands may start shaking even as you move to avoid being shot. All of these things conspire to reduce your accuracy. So, no, needing more than 10 rounds isn't a sign you need glasses or you can't shoot. It's a sign that you understand that gunfights are a dynamic, fluid situation that have no degree of predictability at all. And then this is a single target. What if there are two or three bad guys? Now, if're going to if you're going to hold to this three rounds per bad guy system, right uh, and you're not someone like Bob Keller who has actually shot moving bad guys and and knows how that feels, so he's managed to figure out a way to control certain things in his system, then uh, you know you've got adrenaline coursing through your cardiovascular system, you're supposed to protect yourself with just what if you you know. If you're limited to 10 rounds. So his day at the range with mediocre results doesn't prove jack squat about what we need with regard to a gun. And even so, if he wants to use just a 10-round magazine, that's fine. That's what the killer at his high school reportedly used. So if that's what he wants, so be it. My problem here is that Hogg is taking a day at the range to provide proof... No one needs more than 10 rounds, and he's trying to use this to argue there's no reason to not have restrictions on magazine capacity. And he's trying to be an authority so he can try and justify the positions he already has. And the problem is that there's too many people who know more than him, for one thing. And, in fact, based on on this bloviating, I'd say this includes almost everyone that's not a brain-dead moron. And for another, the Constitution isn't about what David Hogg says we need. It's about preserving the right of the people to make that determination for themselves. But I find it interesting that he decided to take this tack without actually looking at somebody else that might shoot and see when, what their target would look like. Supposedly, his father was in the FBI. It'd be interesting what he had to say about his, uh, his day at the range, but... Uh, I'm, you know, being in the FBI nowadays, that's, that's not exactly some bona fides either, is it? We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. This is Lock and Low. This portion of the show is brought to you by Aero Precision. For over 25 years, Aero Precision has paved the way as a leading manufacturer of American made AR parts. Aero Precision caters to the rifle builder by engineering quality receivers, hand guards, and other essential parts. Aero Precision's added enhancements create a smooth build process from start to finish for beginners and seasoned builders. Whether this is your first rifle or your 50th, Aero Precision offers everything you need to make a quality AR at an affordable price. Check them out at aeroprecisionusa.com. Senator Chuck Schumer is the Senate majority leader and as such uh, he gets to decide a few things especially with regard uh, to, as to what will be up for consideration in his chamber and right now it is his chamber and uh with Chuck it's always going control it's always sitting in the wings you know and following a lot of 4th of July uh Shootings, which actually happened on, you know, 4th of July was on Tuesday. So I guess they started on Friday night and went all the way through Tuesday. Um, well, you know, Joe Biden is calling for more gun control now because, yeah, of course he does. If the toilet flushes, he calls for more gun control. But Schumer is pushing it, too. His spokeshole, Allison Biasati, spoke on his push, saying, Leader Schumer was proud to have passed a significant bipartisan gun safety bill through the Senate last summer, but more must be done. Schumer continues to work with his caucus to find a path forward that can garner enough Republican support and combat the scourge of gun violence, save lives, and bring meaningful change. Schumer will have to get 60 votes to pass gun control, and the prospects are not high, though. That's That's me saying that. And uh, it would be defeated once it got to the House. So he can basically push for whatever he wants, but he's not going to get it because the votes aren't there. And there's a lot going on that had nothing to do with whether or not it's too easy to buy a gun. Now, we're being told right now that the 4th of July was the hottest day on record Ever. And the connection between heat and violence has been documented, especially in the inner cities. The inner cities when it gets hot, well they get uh, all kinds of things going on there. So the connection between heat and violence the idea that during the hottest period on record that we saw massive uptick in violence isn't shocking. But it is troubling. But there's something else he's not accounting for, and that's how most of these aren't what people think of as mass shootings. Because these were gang-type shootings. And gangs are completely indiscriminate. They see a target. They don't care who's in the crossfire. They just pull, whip it out and start pulling the trigger. And that means that most of the gang members in the inner city we know are probably underage. A lot of them are. So, at the very least, those members have guns illegally, if not every single one of them. And the, for people who obtain their guns illegally, gun control is never going to address them. Because they're going to ignore it. So, even, this means that even if Schumer, through some, I don't know, if he, he gets get something through Congress, uh, it's unlikely to actually do anything the next time we have such hot weather. But for Schumer... It's not about whether it's going to work or whether he can get it passed in the first place because he's a politician. A lot of times it's just about uttering the mantra mantra. I'm sorry. And it's about the, it's about saying the magic words he needs for the Democrats for vote who vote for him that don't doubt that he's going to do something. Trademark pending. They want him to do something, but so long as he says the words and makes the right moves, he's fine with them. They'll keep voting for him because he tells them what they want to hear. Gun control isn't the answer, though. It, it's not even close, and unless the answer is how Chuck Schumer can keep keep getting reelected, of course. Now, as we segue, let's go to Newsweek. Newsweek just put out this article the other day where they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to make out to where, uh, you know, we we had Audrey Hill and now we've had Kim Brady Carrick,er and uh, well, these are you know. Now they're trying to make out where they're not identified as trans. So, um, this is interesting. It's interesting in that they're trying to make something not an idea. Uh, now Kim Reddy was, uh, which is not his real name, he was arraigned Wednesday on four counts of murder, attempted murder, aggravated assault and weapon counts weapons counts of possession without a license and carrying firearms in public. He says he did this to try to push gun control. He's accused of killing a man in a house and then gunning down four others in the streets on Monday this is happening in Philadelphia. Um now he's published some mighty fine pictures of him all done up with his braids and his, his fake his fake uh Mammary glands and everything else, because he wants to be a woman apparently, or he wants to look like a woman at least in his posts. And uh, this is where Newsweek takes it takes takes umbrage at this because they say the conservative figures are increasingly seeking to blame mass shootings on trans people at a time when a record number of anti-LGBTQ plus bills have been introduced in state legislatures. Now, first of all. The only thing anti that anybody's proposing is that you don't do anything to kids. That's what the anti stuff is. And as far as the rest of the rights, all the rights apply to all of us as Americans. It doesn't matter whether we're LGB or, you know, not LGB or whatever we choose to be on that day. And uh, they also point to his his character's use of gender neutral pronouns. We know about Audrey Hill. We know all about Audrey Hill. Now, um... when district attorney Larry Krasner came out, he was pushing out for gun control. So he started refer- referring to Carricker as a man. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene gets on Twitter and says another trans shooter. Now, she's been criticized a lot for having anti-LGBTQ plus sentiment and for spreading conspiracy theory, so they say on at Newsweek. But the problem is this. Uh, it's not... Conspiracy to try to protect children. Now, they also said of Carricker that he was also a Black Lives Matter activist and a trans Black Lives Matter activist. Vice News. Which reviewed the Facebook account before it was deleted reported that aside from the handful of pictures with braided hair, there was no evidence on the page that character was transgender. So this now means that unless you have clear cut evidence to point to this, you're not transgender. And as you know, with Audrey Hale, they're now saying uh, that they've, they've never confirmed gender identity so here's Newsweek running cover not a surprise we'll be right back this is Lock and Load I've seen just about every corner of this country three million miles in my career I spent a lot of hours on the road but I love being my own boss the road can be a beautiful place but you're out here on your own there certainly are risks I'm Charles I'm a truck driver a husband and a father and that's why I choose federal When it comes to online gun shops, Primary Arms is one of America's largest retailers of new firearms, parts, accessories, and gear. They stock over 600 popular brands, all with everyday low prices and fast shipping. If you ever have any questions about a product, their team of product experts will help you make the right purchase. So, don't settle for less. Visit PrimaryArms.com today and see why so many gun owners make it their first destination for all of their firearms In the 21st century, the handgun has become the preeminent self-defense tool. At CH Precision, we specialize in taking your weapon to the highest degree of functionality possible. With a complete array of goods and services specializing in red dot sight installation, CH Precision will help you realize the most effective handgun the first time. If you need slide milling, installation, or accessories, go to chpws.com. CH Precision. Welcome to the Boom Squad. At Chambers Custom, we have one job. Welcome back, this is Lock and Load. This portion of the show is brought to you by Aero Precision. Check them out at aeroprecisionusa.com. Coming out of the reload with Stephen Gutkowski, you, you find that there's a report out there that the murder rate is down 11% in about 100 major U.S. cities. And this is a, a conclusion of a new report from Jeff Asher, a widely cited crime analyst and A.H. Dayalytics Co-founder, He's found the overall murder rate is still about 12% above pre-pandemic levels. But they're on track to result in approximately 2,500 fewer murders nationally than the post-pandemic peak in 2021. He said uh, the decline in big cities would pour 10 to a 7 to 10% decline nationally in 2023 if that figure holds up. And he's a former analyst for the Department of Defense and New Orleans Police Department, which has authored pieces on crime statistics for CNN, the New York Times, and The Atlantic. I don't know if that means he has those same sort of leftist slants, but he's written stuff for them. And he also said it would also be among the largest declines in murder ever formally recorded. Now, the early 2023 data do give a glimmer of hope that the dramatic uptick in homicide is starting to go back down, sort of like a flood, you know, like the waters recede. And the efforts could be both practical and political. The pandemic-era uptick saw the reemergence of crime and, by extension, access to guns as a salient political issue in a way not seen since the height of the country's violent crime wave in the 90s. And if it were to decline public support for new gun restrictions as a solution could decline along with it. Now, as estimates have gained significant attention both because they're available sooner than official government reports and because sub-government data has degraded in the recent years. Now, the FBI Uniform Crime Report. We know that uh, 5,000 fewer agencies reported their 2021 stats than the previous year. So the the, the recession if you will in, in homicide may be greater than we think but what we get from the government is uh, less reliable data because it only covers about 69% of the population now Asher's data gleaned from city police departments that make crime data publicly available show murder is down through the first half of this year in major cities and these include new york la chicago and philadelphia a city that experienced an all-time high in homicides during 2021 and asher found the decline is also visible in smaller cities with historically high murder rates He wrote, New Orleans likely has had the nation's highest murder rate for any city over 250,000 in population in 2022, while Jackson, Mississippi likely had the nation's highest murder rate for any city over 100,000. Murder is still high in both places, but it fell over the first half of the year. Same is true for St. Louis and Baltimore, two cities that have had the nation's highest murder rate at various points over the last decade. Now, despite this, he's... And, I mean, this is this is what you do. I mean, you you don't want to get out there and start trying to make predictions. It's one thing to glean statistics from what's available at the time. It is quite another thing to get out there and start making predictions, which is what weather weather guys do, right? Um, his data set is smaller than the FBI sampling. He said there are significant limitations with the crime reporting practices of the various law enforcement agencies involved in collecting it. And he said, one challenge with guesstimating the national murder trend with only 100 agencies of data is that there is no standardized reporting process. So, some of these high-profile uh, mass killings, like top supermarket in Buffalo, New York, have not yet been accounted for in the city's homicide totals because they were only updated through April. Nevertheless, he pointed to other data sources to confirm a sustained dip in murder. The Gun Violence Archive, which is an activist website, you should always think of it as that. It is only that. Um, that tracks mass shooting and other gun related violent crimes using a combination of government data and media reports, has also identified a decline in firearm homicide this year. And Asher wrote, If GVA is down 5 or 6 percent in 2023, the big city sample is down 10 to 12 percent, then we would have pretty strong evidence of an 8 to 10 percent decline in murder nationally. That which would be formally confirmed by the FBI when they released 2023 crime data in October 2024. That's if they actually get anything reported to them. See, that's one of the problems is some of the big, big, I mean, like, L.A. didn't report to them. New York didn't report to them. So while most of them have had success in reducing their homicide rates and murder in the, in the nation is declining, some cities have seen homicide increase in 2023 is up nearly 19% year-to-date in Washington, D.C., and is up 39% in Memphis, Tennessee. Dallas, Nashville, and Seattle have also seen upticks. So, but Asher concluded the overall trend is positive, at least for now. He also points out one thing that is very, you know, very true. Um, still six months, you know, well, yeah, six months left. So anything could still happen. But if in the trends, if you're looking at trends, which is one thing statisticians do, then this would point to a large decline in murder nationally, though just how big it will be will be determined by what happens in the next few months. However, it also points to something else that, uh, you know, I think bears mentioning. That means, quote, gun violence, end quote, is going down. So, and I know this isn't going to change anything about the way they characterize this because we're always we're always hearing about a gun violence epidemic, and the gun violence epidemic is always one of those things where it's just not quite there yet, just hasn't happened yet, right? So, um, it, it it's an epidemic is something in the air, it's something that's everywhere, and it's not. Gun violence, as they characterize it, is mainly concentrated in the big cities. Period. It's always been that way. Always going to be that way. Because Democrats run it. And because they have soft on crime policy. And because they empty out their jails and all this other stuff. So many different reasons for crime flourishing. Uh, crime flourishes where you can't do anything about it. Crime flourishes where you try to demoralize and, uh, you know, depopulate the police. That's where crime flourishes. And when, when you've got nothing out there but victims and criminals, well, yeah, then you're going to have a lot of crime. Because it doesn't, take a bu- it doesn't take nearly as many criminals to create a crime wave as you might think. Criminals are a very, very small subset of our population. Very, very small. So the fact that we have a downward trend in this would tell me that there's other things also at play here. Possibly the fact that during 2021 and 2020, you know, we've had 47 months straight of 1 million new guns per month minimum. We had 7.5 million New gun owners in 2021. All during COVID, people were seeing the police pull back, lack of control, all these other things. They started buying guns. So this leads me to believe maybe there's some more defensive gun uses out there that we haven't heard about yet. In places we've never heard about them before. From people who've never had to do it before or think about it or consider it. A lot of other things at play here. We'll see what Mister Asher comes up with later. Maybe John Lott will take a look at it. That'll be it. that'll be a much more more clarity there for me with John. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. check them out at com. now we a year ago we had the bipartisan safer communities act which was heralded by all of the gun controllers as the the first major gun legislation merely in nearly 3 decades and uh, it was not major to begin with it introduced enhanced background checks for gun buyers under 21, whatever that means. It closed the boyfriend loophole to prevent convicted domestic abusers from purchasing firearms for five years, which means that the girlfriends can only be killed by every other method besides being shot. And uh, it allocated $15 billion in funding for issues like school security and mental health, although I have yet to see where that has actually happened. Have you? The four major players in this were Senators Chris Murphy, Tom Tillis, John Cornyn, and Kirsten Sinema. Tom Tillis and John Cornyn, of course, are supposedly Republican. They spurred. They were spurred to this after uh, the Buffalo, New York shooting and the Uvalde, Texas shooting, which left a total of, uh, unfortunately, 31 people dead. So said she was inspired to take action after hearing Murphy's impassioned speech to Congress following the Uvalde shooting, as well as seeing Cornyn fly home to Texas to visit the city. This started a lengthy texting chain among the senators, ultimately resulting in the creation of the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. So that means it came along after Uvalde. Which means when you had that 147 cops in the hallway... Not going in on the guy? Apparently they were funded enough to have 147 cops there. They just, uh, there's, there's no, way, no way to buy a spine, unfortunately. Now, according to the gun violence archive here, I mean, you know, there's been 26 mass shootings this month alone. But since we know those are gang shootings, I don't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you prevent those until you get rid of the gangs. How do you prevent those? Murphy has since said the legislation was signed into law. Gun violence rates decreased in major American cities in the first five months of 2023. He said there's no doubt that this bill is saving lives. Of course, he can't point to any real status, or excuse me, stats, or studies, or data indicating that this has had any effect on it at all. There's no way to do that. Now, according to the Justice Department, the measure requiring enhanced background checks for people under 21 has resulted in more than 200 denials. Now, what's key for Tillis, who uh, faced a lot of pushback from the North Carolina Republican Party for his involvement, is that denials are still rare. He said over 107,000 People under the age of 21 have applied to purchase a gun, and and 99.8% of them have been approved. Now, they didn't get universal background checks. And, uh, you know, and one thing to understand about this is this report in and of itself is coming from CBS News. So they get out there and they throw this out as well. It didn't support universal background checks they call it uh, background checks for all gun buyers and they say that it's a policy supported by 85% of Americans according to a poll last August that they probably conducted what that means is they said do you think guns should have a background check which means since the 90's every gun sold by an FFL has had a background check Yeah. what they're talking about what they're talking about is universal background checks which means gun registry which is illegal that's never That's never actually a part of the poll. You understand, of course, that for this to work, we would have to have a registry which is illegal. Do you still support it? They never ask that question. Now, Biden's agenda also includes a semi-auto ban, and he calls it an assault weapon ban, but the definition of what constitutes this remains a consensus issue between the Republicans and the Democrats. And neither side wants to get in on that. And see, this is where I... I, 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 I I'm a little upset about this because this is actually an opportunity for the Republicans. The Republicans could get, should get out there and say, this is what is an assault weapon. And they should say, it comes from the factory with an automatic sear in it. That is a legal assault weapon. Anything that is modified to be automatic after, in the civilian market is an illegal assault weapon. They could actually get out there and do that, but they're not doing it, and I don't know why. They also wanted to uh, incentivize states to implement red flag laws. And the problem with with that is... uh, Well, this is where Tom Tillis takes a little victory lap because he thinks he's sort of clever here. He said states can apply for support to implement their red flag laws, but you got to be in compliance with due process. And guess what? Most of the states, including red states that have red flag laws, can't qualify because they don't have the basic due process constraints that my friends here supported in the bill. Murphy said that this was probably one of the last things we ended up getting done. And those due process rights that now apply to every blue state, in addition to every red state, are in there because of people like Tom that were driving a hard bargain. So we're drawing, we're running a little cover for Tom because he worked with me last time on this, so, and I may need him to do it again later. Now, Tillis, who's obviously in damage control. He said while the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act is seen as a step forward, he said violence in America will always be around, as will a Second Amendment protection in the Constitution for good reasons. He said what we need to do is to start early, and that's what this bill did to lessen the chances of the numbers of people who could be at risk and make a decision to harm themselves or somebody else, regardless of what they used to do it. Murphy said that while the legislation didn't go as far as he would have liked its progress... This is really an important step forward. That, that's saving lives as we speak. And the whole exercise to me was worthwhile because it's proving to the American people that democracy is not so broken that we can't find a way to come together even on a topic that for 30 years has been a real political hotspot. Well, here's what I would say to you, Chris, and I would say to Tom, too. You guys didn't do anything. You're not going to stop somebody who wants to kill himself from killing himself. If you were actually out there trying to do that. I would listen to you. But if you're out there and you're saying well we're going to do it by doing this to where you know you can't get a gun this way. There's many other ways to kill yourself besides a gun. Now a gun is a very dependable way to kill yourself but that doesn't stop people in Japan from killing themselves as an example. Then there's violence and criminality. And criminality is something that is uh There's a lot of causes for this. Where you take away any sort of opportunity or upward mobility to anybody to implement for themselves. Like, say, the inner city. Um, Then you are paving the way for criminality. Because everybody wants to earn money somehow. And and notice that it's always about earning money. That's what it boils down to. It's always about earning money. So... Because it's always about earning money. It becomes one of those things that um, you just simply can't prevent. It's a little bit like climate change. Right now with climate change, they're trying to say, well, you know, the entire world. China and uh, India has got a lot of poor people. And one way to lift them out of poverty is through the burning of fossil fuel to make their life more convenient and easier. So guess what? Those leaders will never go with the climate change thing. They'll never go with that. In the end, it just comes down to what the citizenry needs. And when you set things up for the citizenry to be serfs, they're going to find a way to not be a serf. And sometimes that leads to criminality. Not always the best way, but it is definitely out there and it's available. So... While they're out there trying to herd your behavior and everything else, just remember one thing. It doesn't matter what they're trying to herd, because in the end, humanity's going to pick its own way. Coming up next, it's going to be Dan Zimmerman from the truthaboutguns.com. This is Lock and Load.